Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Mike Randall here with my partner, Gus Kearns, as always. We're going to give you a little FBI scandal. I understand that. You want to talk about that. But we are two weeks away, Gus, from Selection Sunday. So if it's okay with you, why don't we do a little FBI and then, I don't know, Gus, talk about the sport of baloncesto? Maybe that's what we should talk about today? We'll we'll talk about it in the English language, though, because I did not do very well in Spanish on any educational level. Oh, you did so better I'll than go, I did in Spanish. Go. Spanish, you're better than me in high school, no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, that, that could be up for argument. I <laughs> <laughs> Quote from my college professor when I had to take Spanish. Part of the Spanish uh, final exam was oral. So I had to like actually like answer questions and speak at the end of it. Quote, I remember this quote because this is one of the nicest compliments I've ever gotten from a college professor. Wow, you did a lot better than I thought you would. Well, how about, how about a, I'll do it this way. I'll combine it for you. This podcast okay. is going to be No Mucho FBI and Mucho Why Gary Clark Can't Be the Player of the Year in the American Athletic Conference. How about that? Muy bueno. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Let's start with the FBI. All right, well, Gus, why don't we start? Because, again, you have the best mid-major podcast in all of college basketball, and you did another spectacular job on Saturday. Again, I'm cleaning the house. I'm running around. I'm doing things. I'm doing laundry for well over two hours, faking going upstairs to my family, just so I can listen to your mid-major podcast. You touched on it. Why don't you recap it for the folks that did a great job? Okay. Uh, thank, thank you for the compliment, by the way. And I hope that we keep other people company on their errands or tasks uh, over the weekend. That's why Mike and I try to design to get that podcast out into your ears, just to help you get through the weekend with a little college basketball fix. So a couple of things here. Number one, you hate to see coaches and programs you love in trouble. Get that out of the way, right? Okay. Now let's get to the facts. The NCAA has a problem with its own rules. The reason that this is such a problem is because the rules that they have in place are antiquated ancient rules that should not be in place anymore. And that's been exposed by this FBI report. The amateurism model needs to be tweaked, changed, or completely overhauled. And they need to go to not the Olympic model, but an Olympic type model where they do not run into any Title IX limitations or disqualifications. Now, I don't have the answer, but that's part of the solution. So I think if you're going to go anywhere with this, that's where you need to go with it. And much like a lot of other uh, talking heads and places are saying, if this is what we have right now, there's more to come. I mean, we saw like a little report with uh, Will Wade and LSU. They're looking into that. There's going to be more to follow. And you just hope that it kind of stays out of the way until we get to March and we can enjoy the games and, and, you know, fill out our brackets and and champion the players and the teams that are eligible and are playing. That's what you hope. Mike, what, what are your two cents on the FBI situation? There's two levels here. Number one, the reaction on Friday and Saturday was the following. I don't care. I don't care if Miles Bridges' mother went to lunch with some guy named Book Richardson. or I don't care. I, I really don't care. Guys, if you watch the 30 for 30 on Sonny Vaccaro, this mm-hmm. has happened for decades. People are influencing kids for decades. That's the for, way. That, forever. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It happens. We're not robots. 
If somebody goes to get their oil changed around the holiday season and the oil change company gives you a little box of chocolates, you're more than likely to go back to the same oil change. This is the way of the world. I don't care. The agents were kicked out of college years ago, right? So now what they do, they go to the high school kids. You can't hold the coaches accountable. You can't hold Tom Izzo accountable because Miles Bridges' mom went to lunch. Gus, you coach cross country. Right now, what are your cross country kids doing? Do you know? Do you know what they're doing right now? Absolutely not. Right now, they're burning down a fence somewhere. Is that your fault? Do you have lack of cross-country institutional control because right now or last night they chose to start a bonfire in someone's backyard and a tree caught on fire? Is that your fault? Uh, it may be in some people's minds, yes, but in reality, no. Now, if they now here's the second part, Gus. They want to connect it to a hundred thousand dollar payment. Okay, mm-hmm. if you are yeah. going to have a wiretap to a coach who says, "I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if DeAndre," that's illegal. Okay, that is going to be fireable. But I will point this out. It's my last comment here because I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're two weeks away from Selection Sunday, and that's what people care about, Gus. Sean Miller comes out and says, I will be vindicated. That's what he mm-hmm. said. Okay. This is right. Professor Plum in the conservatory with a knife. Well, I wasn't in the conservatory, so the whole thing's a lie. I highly doubt, man, that Sean Miller is not on a wiretap talking to Christian Dawkins. I, I highly doubt that that's the case. I have a feeling that he is talking to Christian Dawkins on a phone conversation and it's recorded because otherwise that's a blatant lie. Now, Sean Miller did not say, I've never talked to Christian Dawkins. Sean Miller did not say, I don't know who Christian Dawkins is. What, uh, remember Pastor, when Pastor had this whole thing with the whole yeah. thing? He said, this is ridiculous. No, we never had sexual relations. No, it was he was direct. What he said is, I will be vindicated. So here's what I think happened. There was a conversation. Yep. I don't think on that wiretap, you hear Miller going, I'll give you $100,000 for DeAndre. I don't think that's there. I think it sounds like Christian Dawkins probably mentioned $100,000, which, by the way, Christian Dawkins was arrested, wasn't he? Okay, he was arrested. So I have a feeling that he, this- he, he, he also ran up over $40,000 and charged it uh, to Peyton Eldridge's uh, uh, credit card. Uh, so he, right. He's shady on all fronts. Right. So they must have something on him because Sean Miller wasn't arrested. Okay, so I think they have something on Dawkins and probably Dawkins offered $100,000 and maybe Miller didn't say, you're offering me $100,000. This is illegal. This is a violation. I'm hanging the phone up right now. Goodbye. Okay, which none of us would. Okay, none of us would do that because you're on a phone conversation. You probably, well, listen, man, it's not my thing. I don't know. But I do know this. If he agreed to that $100,000, I find it hard to believe that Arizona hasn't fired him already. That's how I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to say. He's not coaching, but he's not fired. I think yeah. that's interesting. I, I, I don't know what the next move is here as far as – and it seems like he was part of the decision not to coach that game against Oregon. So the fact that he still has some input on that – Seems very odd yes, as well. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. So I think that they're like backing their coach and backing their program. This is Arizona. You kind of want to see what shakes out from this. And does he get on the ba- the bench at all this season? And also another fishy part about this is like Romar took, takes over as the bench coach, right? But one of Romar's players was named on that very same report. Like it false. seems like – False, yes, right. false. Yeah, it, seems, it just seems like 
why why go there? Like that seems like I, I don't know. Like if you're gonna take Miller off the bench, why not take him off the bench too? Because he was na- you know one of his players where he coached just last season was also named on that spreadsheet. Just seemed very odd. Gus, this is how the world works. It happens all the time. Mike Shashevsky shouldn't be fired because Wendell Carter's mom had a seventy dollar lunch. Okay, and you, what you said about the rules being broken is very well said. First off, I agree with you. Olympic model. Let the kid go out and get a shoe contract if he wants. Who cares? Absolutely. Let him go. Why are we even yep. policing that? Stupid. And number two, Wendell Carter and all these other kids are going to listen to these agents. They're going to show up at the playground. They're going to show up at the school. They're going to show up. They're going to the show up at the AAU tournament. The AAU. They're going to show up at the mom's house when the kid is playing somewhere. That's what they're going to do. You can't police that. That is not Mike Shashevsky's fault. If you can connect Mike Shashevsky, then he will get fired. You're not going to. You're not going to connect him. I don't think you're going to connect Izzo. Miller certainly seems like the guy who could be connected, but I just don't want to hear about it anymore. It's ridiculous. We're going after people who are going 56 miles an hour in a 55. That's what we're doing here. We have no proof. If you have a coach who says, give this kid the money and Mm -hmm. get him to my school, or if you get him to my school, I will give you $100,000, that is fireable. Fire them and move on. But there's a lot of guys who do it the right way. Mark Few, one of them. And I just think we should talk about that. I get bothered when it affects the integrity of the game. I get bothered if they're doing steroids. I get bothered if they're, you know, the whole thing, the Patriots, they accuse them of deflating the football. I get bothered if something happens, the integrity game, whether Book Richardson's friend's uncle's father from down the street popped over with a gift for Mrs. Bridges to try to convince her to go to Michigan's. I don't, I don't care. I, I really don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. And it doesn't affect how I view Michigan State or the players. Yeah, and I think the other part that we'll you know we'll leave alone, but we I think it's worth mentioning is we we can't ignore the you know market value of these players. That's one of the things I got into in the mid major podcast as well, is that uh, these potential first round lottery pick athletes are have an unbelievable street value as far as like what they're worth on the open market, and to deny them that and ignore that and make them jump through certain hoops for just a year, you're going to run into some of this black market activity uh, that the NCAA has no control over and has rules that can't possibly regulate it or, and are outdated. So let's acknowledge the open market value for these players. Let's allow them to operate within a model that can afford them to get uh, compensated financially in some fashion or another. And let's not expect the, you know, second tennis singles player to get paid because both the football programs and the basketball programs are the lifeblood of the rest of the college athletics. So let those guys get a little something. I don't know what that I don't know what that equation is or what that percentage is, but let's not ignore the open market value and also change the rules so they're allowed to get that type of payment. I'll leave you with this. You know, as a head basketball coach took over a program that was 0 and 20. I'm trying to build the program up. I had a kid who was going to his sophomore year in the high school. I heard a rumor that he was thinking about going to a different school. I told the kid, I said, let's go grab lunch. I bought him a slice of pizza and a soda and talked to him at lunch about why he should stay because he'll be our starting point guard and we got some good things coming up. Mm -hmm. By the definition of the NCAA, that was illegal. And you know what? That's stupid. 
that's stupid that I can't right. take a kid out for a slice of pizza and soda, which when we were young was two fifty five, but now is a lot more. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Okay. So I went to Boston College, Gus. If I want to take a kid out and say, hey, let's grab a slice. I want to talk to you about Boston College. That's illegal. That's stupid. That's absolutely stupid. Yeah. I can. It, it, you should be able to talk about James Madison with James Madison. I, I've had enough. I, it, it's ridiculous. I understand $100,000, different story. I don't want to hear about Wendell Carter. I don't want to hear about Miles Bridges. I want to see him on the floor. Let's talk about that. Let, let's jump into these games. There, there are some cool things that happen on the court. Let's get to that. A lot of, lot of cool things. Uh, there, there's some big takeaways that we'll get to. Let's get right into the games here. First of all, number one, Virginia 66, Pittsburgh 37. Virginia wins. Gus, the reason I think we have to spend just one minute on this game, the halftime score was 30-7. to 7. Okay, and and Pittsburgh was held to just one field goal in the first half. Here's a trend, partner, that I'm gonna I'm gonna beat on this drum throughout this entire podcast. Yeah, it's winning time. It's March at the end of this week. I want you to be performing well. If you're playing bad teams, I want you pounding those bad teams. And if you're playing good teams, I want to see you play well. I'm worried about the Sweet 16. I'm worried about the Elite Eight. I'm worried about the Final Four, and I'm worried about avoiding the first-round upset. Virginia comes into Pittsburgh, and they destroy Pittsburgh. I know they stink, but that's disturbingly impressive. 30-7, to one field goal a half. Go ahead, Gus. Uh, I'm just going to harken back to the conversation that we had with John Gassaway on this. It doesn't matter how you achieve your margin of victory. Yeah, that was a great point. Yep. As long as you do. And UVA has achieved their margin of victory in an unbelievably unique way this college basketball season at a historic level on the defensive end. That was just simply on display against Pittsburgh. Enough said. Your interview was great, by the way. Great job at Gasaway. Second year in a row we've had him on. Incredibly smart guy. Great interview. One of his Um, five million great points. Uh, can And I can't say how kind and nice he was. He was just so kind, polite, and generous. Unbelievable guy off the air as well. Number three, Villanova, 83. Creighton pulls the upset at home, 89. Creighton wins by six. This was a fun game. This was an exciting game. Marcus Foster, my partner, you called him for All-American, I believe. Yeah. And he had a big, big time game. Still has a shot at 13 All-American. 28 points. Two very evenly matched teams when they're at Creighton. Both Mm -hmm. shot the three well. Both rebounded well. High assist numbers. Great from the free throw line. A superb game all around to watch. This is no negative on Villanova. They played fantastically well. In a very tough place to play. This is what I want to see from the teams. I don't see you play well. McCall Bridges with a ridiculous block that I put on Twitter at the end of regulation to send the game to overtime. Booth is still rounding in the form, Gus. I think they need DiVincenzo coming off the bench because he's a real spark plug. Booth obviously isn't there yet, which is fine, which is understandable. Greg right. McDermott, great coach, great job at home. And he's certainly going to be getting a fruit basket from Chris Mack and Xavier, who now control their own destiny to win the Big East. Can we please use the fruit basket as a reference moving forward? I love that. I love that synonym and analogy. I it's a lovely that. gift, by the way, Gus. Lovely gift. Uh, so here two quick takeaways on this. in agreement with you of flip-flopping DiVincenzo and Booth. Is a shot creator, a uh, lead guard, uh, a facilitator, I think he would do well a little bit. I I think he would just coincide a little bit better with with Brunson and then having DiVincenzo just come in and do all of his things off the bench. Like I I think that's just a better match for them as a whole entire team. So I'm with you on that flip-flop in the lineup. And yeah, you know what? If Creighton is going to play like this, 
that nobody is going to want to see them. Like, imagine if they're in that 8-9 game and a 1 gets them and they win that game. Oh, baby. Like, they're, they're, they're not going to want to play Creighton. Are you kidding me? Especially if Foster and Thomas are shooting 9 of 19 from three-point range. Great job by Creighton here. Really well done. Next one, number five, Duke 60, Syracuse 44. And what was relatively a snooze fest, Gus? Marvin Bagley returned, which means Grayson Allen is useless again. <laughs> That's a great point. A very odd win for Duke. Only two players in double figures. You want to call them Twin Towers, Bump and Thump. Wendell Carter, Bagley combined for 35 of the 60 points. What bothers me, Gus, is I've yet to see the Duke game where I go, oh, yeah, they're back. Oh, yeah, they're on fire. They play Syracuse, not a great Syracuse team. They play them at home. You know they don't play any defense. That's why they're called Ook. Gus, what do we make of this win? Like vegetable lasagna? They won, I guess, but have we really solved anything? I'm going the opposite way on you here. Put the D back in there. What I'm going to ask everybody to do after you're done listening to this podcast, not while you're driving, uh, when you get to a laptop, pop open the laptop. When you get you know, to your search engines of choice, pull up Ken Palm. Take a look at that Duke defensive efficiency number now. Just do me that favor. The D is back in Duke. I don't know what exactly happened. I don't know if like Bagley not being there makes them a better defensive team. I don't know if they've uh, fully incorporated and bought into the zone. Maybe their length is actually finally paying dividends because they do have good length at all of their positions, uh, including uh, you know all the way from the one to the five. But they're actually defending decently now. It's worth paying attention to the next couple of games and in the ACC tournament if this trend continues. And also, Bagley being out for these five games has forced Duke to find minutes in other places. Those minutes are going to play dividends coming down the road when they are in foul trouble or need a couple of minutes at the end of a half or if somebody's in foul trouble. So I'm to- I, I, I think this is an important game for Duke. I don't think this is a vegetable lasagna game at all. I think this, I think this might fortify their move and their trend on the defensive end and also take a look at the minutes played take a look at how much impact their bench had it was impressive i'm not really buying it man i i I, bagley's gonna start which means delorier's coming off the bench 17 17 minutes two points i'm not i'm not buying it i'm not buying marcus bolden with 12 minutes i'm not buying o'connell and everyone and Brad Evans is with you. And Brad Evans talking about how the Duke defense is back. Really, guys, really. Since they played North Carolina, they played at Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, a really banged up Clemson team, Louisville, right. who stinks, and Syracuse. So if you're not fouling, you're not playing defense. That you're not, they don't have such great body control, Michael Cooper, lockdown, Stacey Augman players. That's a whistle they get at home at Duke. Put him in a neutral site against a team that penetrates. Gus, they can't stop him because they can't get in front of him. And if they get in foul trouble, they have no bench. I get it. The Ken Palm numbers, and Evans talked about it too, are better. I get it. I think they're better, partner, because they're playing crappy teams. That, that's my guess. They're not playing North Carolina. They're not playing Virginia. They're not playing even Miami. I, I mean, they're not playing anybody, but fine. I, I get it. We'll see. We'll see in the ACC tournament. But- I'm, I'm going to go against you here and just say, let, let's go back to your first initial statement in the podcast. What do you want these teams to do? You want these teams to go win games by double digits. That's what Duke is doing. They, play, they looked awful. 
Virginia, Syracuse is terrible. Like, they actually had this game. Fair. Like, they won by 16, but, like, ugh. They didn't look good doing Purdue plays today. They outscore Minnesota by 1,000 in the second half. That's what I'm talking about. That's uh, how, how, how about this? Again, I, I love playing devil's advocate. Here. <laughs> how, how about this? What if, you just, what if you just switch the name on the box score? What if you just put a UVA instead of a Duke there? Are you okay with that, then? I don't know what you mean by that, though. Well, 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 let's say, like, let's just take the final score, right? Like, Duke only scores 60. You know, UVA, when they win, only scores 60. So, like, are you okay with Virginia the way they win? Yeah, but if UVA played this game, they win this game 60 to 5. Like, that's my point. Like, I I think Syracuse is bad. Yes, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Listen, I get it. I am in the minority, as usual. You, Brad Evans, Ken Palm, everybody's talking about Duke's locking down defensively now. All right. No, 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 I'm not saying locking down. And that's why I stressed and mentioned, like, you want to see what happens in the ACC tournament. Does this trend continue on a neutral court? That's what I want to see. I want to see if White, Bolden, Delorier, and the rest of the law firm that comes off the bench actually contributes <laughs> time. Listen, here's the thing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's if, fabulous. If they end up playing great defense and not fouling, this is going to be one of the greatest coach jobs by Shashevsky because they've been terrible. But let's see. Maybe, maybe he gets it going. I don't know. But listen – it's worth paying attention to moving forward because, I mean, we were all saying how awful they were defensively, and it seems like they've righted the ship a little bit. I know we're going to say opponent, but I think it's worth paying attention to and, and something to keep an eye on. Uh, that's fair enough. I'm also part and worry because at home against his zone, two of 18 from three-point range is very odd. And you can't tell me that, like, this is the Syracuse zone with, you know, Coleman, Cycli, you know, Sherman, Douglas, Matt Rowe. Boy, I'm really dating myself there. Wow. Yeah, I was going to go uh, Malachi Richardson at least. What I'm really doing, Gus, is I'm postponing talking about the next game. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight, Kansas. Can we just give a round of applause to Bill Self? Uh, Okay, let's give a round of applause. Number eight, Kansas 74, Texas Tech 72. 14th straight Big 12 championship for Bill Self in Kansas. Just absolutely amazing. Gus, he also kept his streak intact. I put it out on Twitter. He has never been swept by an in-conference opponent since he's been at Kansas. So Texas Tech beat him the first time. They won the second one. They do have Oak State on the road at the end of the game, at the end of the year, but let's see how that goes. In a year where they look their most vulnerable partner, they lost at home to Arizona State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. I won't mention the Washington game because within Kansas City. Please don't. They go on the road in Lubbock, really tough place to play. They have clinched the title, probably the outright Big 12 title. Devontae Graham was sensational this game, and I've ripped on him. He was absolutely Frank Mason-esque. I watched that game on tape delay. He attacked the basket. He went left. He went right. He initiated contact. He hit big threes. There was a series when him and Mihaila kept hitting each other on cuts. They're working simpatico, another Spanish word for the podcast, by the way, uh, together. Really beautiful to watch. If the blueprint holds, and it does, if Graham and Mihailuk make their threes, and they were hot early, this team is incredibly tough to beat. Graham and Mihailuk, Gus, 8 of 17 from three-point range. They got nothing off the bench, although I think Mitch Lightfoot does a nice job inside. He keeps balls alive. He had a couple blocks. I like Mitch Lightfoot. I think very, he's very, nice very active. Very yep. active. Very and, useful. And Keenan Evans was definitely hobbled. Wasn't himself. Played gritty. Played really tough. But that hurt Texas Tech, who gave it a valiant try. But the Red Raiders fall short. Bill Self and Kansas roll on 74-72. Really impressive win here. Uh, three takeaways for me on this. Uh, one, you knew Keenan Evans was going to go out and try to ball. When you have game day at your 
uh, at your campus, Big 12, tor- uh, Big 12 title on the line, no matter what is going on with you injury-wise, if you can stand, he's going to play, and that's exactly what happened here. So you hope that from here on out, moving forward for their March fortunes, that Keenan Evans gets straight, gets healthy. He can, you know, recapture the form that made him, like, the talk of a first-team All-American. Uh, two, if Graham and Mihailik play like this, and then that leaves, I, I don't know, let's say, like, you know, let's say Vic as just, like, a role player, not an impact player, and then they can still rely on Azabuki to do some things inside, I'm kind of impressed. And then, you know, you don't ask, you don't have to ask Malik Newman to do too much. If, if Svi and Graham play this well and this efficiently, and then all you have to ask for Vic and, and Newman is just like, go do your job. All right, I'm, I think I'm kind of in. Last thing, how impressive is Kansas? And you mentioned the not losing a game and getting swept by any opponent. You know what that speaks to? Great coaching and great adjustments. It does. That's very true. I, you're like, totally right. So, I mean, kudos to Coach Self because obviously he takes each one of those games personally and says, okay, how can I fix what went wrong the first time we lost to this team? I'm going to go ahead and put my team in the best position we can to fix it. Gosh, really, imp- really impressive. Gus, you totally nailed it. There was a sequence, too. I don't know if you saw it, where Graham threw a laser bounce pass diagonally through the yeah. key to Malik Newman. Yeah. If he's going to play like that, they're going to be tough to beat. I will say this, and I'll be doing another uh, you know, practice for the brackets this week on the that, podcast. By the way, that was fantastic. I, I think the only thing is are you just going to switch up with uh, who you use? Like which bracket you use? Oh, I am. We're going with Jerry Palm this week. Um, okay, fantastic. All right, great, good. And what I'm, I'm also going to do, Gus, is you know how I had those little uh, facts in the beginning during the yeah. Rocky music? There'll be different facts this week. Oh, really? Yeah, there will be. The difference of you pay attention, folks. It's coming. Okay. I will say this. I've been there when Kansas has been ranked high. I've been there with Sharon Collins and Ali Farouk Manish. I've been there in the second round loss to Wichita State. I've been there in the second round loss to Stanford. I've been there, folks. I'm not telling you that this team is going to the Final Four. I want to see the brackets. Very easily, this team could be upset. Very, very easily. It is not nearly as strong, just look at the results, as past Kansas teams have been. However, if they get the right draw, they can certainly make the Final Four. Because if Graham and Mihailik play well, and I still say, partner, that Mm -hmm. they're in-game wagering. Their second half oh, wagering. They yeah. play a first, yeah. even I'll say first round game. I can't believe I'm saying this. They play a Florida Gulf Coast in the first round. Mihailik and Graham aren't hitting their shots. You go walk to that place of, of wagering in the legal state and you go and make it. If, if, it was, if it was legal. And you go make a wager. But if they're hot, they could absolutely beat Virginia or anybody else. 100%. Let, last thing for me on this particular game and Kansas in general. You know what this team is reminding me more and more of? That Thomas Robinson team. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Where, where they, made a, they made a Final Four that year. Just to say, which is was a strip at half court away from losing to Purdue in the second round. Just Good one point. Just uh, one point great Robbie Hummel team, right? Yeah, great. Robbie yeah. hung, hung around for Hung around. Right? Yeah, boy. The year before, though, they should have been. Oh, uh, uh, I know. Four. Anyway. All right. Etuan. Okay. All right. Continue. Yes. Sorry. Number six, Gonzaga. Talk about taking care of business. 79, BYU 65. Gonzaga wins the WCC outright regular season title. Round of applause for them and Mark Few. After everyone but Randy Bennett picked St. Mary's to win. 
Gonzaga does it again. Bulldogs, 27-4, and 17-1 in conference. They've won at least a share of 18 of the past 19 regular season WCC championships. I'll say that again. 18 of the past 19 regular season WCC championships, including each of the past six seasons. Uh, wow. BYU TJ Haas played despite the ankle injury. Uh, I put that on Twitter where he yelled at the fans in Portland. He said F, not the full word. Good job by TJ Haas. Gonzaga Gus, fascinating team. I think you got a valid argument both ways. I know which way you're going to go. I don't know which way I'm going yet. They got a great coach. They got a big team. They got Tilly, who's really Zach Collins. They got Jonathan Williams, who's Shemek Karnowski. They got Rory Hashimura. I understand that. And they're playing great. And they're peaking at the right time, which I really like. However, I could also tell you, they're still not playing a heck of a lot of defense. They're not going to get tested. And I'm not going to go nuts over beating a TJ Haw injury BYU team. I, I don't think that's the same thing because I think Gonzaga is looking at this as a disappointment if they don't at least make the Sweet 16. So that's the prism I'm looking at them through. I'm not saying, oh, they're going to win the WCC title and lose in the second round. I don't think we want that. So am I sure they're going to the Sweet 16? Not sure. But 27 and 4, 17 and 1. That speaks volumes by itself. Yeah, the, the super impressive win. I, you know, obviously we we try to watch as many of these games as we can. Obviously, luckily I got this one. And just two things here. One, I mentioned this before in the mid major podcast. The lineup that they can put out with Williams, Hachimura, and Tilly, really, really impressive. It gives them versatility and switchability on the defensive end, and it makes them unbelievably bouncy and athletic on the offensive rebounding side of things. And it makes them like, it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, how Nevada's playing currently. They don't look for the outlet pass. Whoever gets the board just starts dribbling up court. Any one of those guys, Tilly, Hachimura or Williams has the authority to take a couple dribbles and get the break started. So I like that the, he gives his players a little bit of freedom. Uh, second thing. And, and, you know, I talked about this with John Gasway a little bit is Hachimura is fun. He's really interesting. Uh, he is a definite difference maker, and he's just hiding in the shadows and is, could be one of those players that totally explodes in March. So totally looking forward to that explosion. And remember, listeners, you kind of heard us discuss it here on Screen to Screener. And I'm on, you know what side I'm on here. I, I, think, I think they're a lock for the Sweet 16. I think they're going to make the Elite Eight. I think you can, depending on matchups, I don't think. I think it's crazy that you could pencil them in for a Final Four. That is one of the big decisions that people have to make before they fill out their brackets. Yep. Because th- this team, if you, Rory Hashimura is one of the few players that can put a team on their backs. He's got to play more than 24 minutes. But if you get a bad Williams game and you get, you know, they're not making their threes and they're still not making their threes, it's tough for me, Gus, to back a team 8 of 24 mm. from three point range. I, good, I, yep, good point. I get it. But I have to admit, I really like what they're doing, and they have a great coach, and I love great coaches, and that's worth a lot in March. So we'll see. Gonzaga taking care of business as usual. As usual. Next game, number 12, Auburn 66, Florida. They lose at Florida 72. Florida wins by six. Auburn shooting threes on the road. They're a different animal. Only eight of 23 from three after their five of 27 performance at South Carolina. Junior forward Horace Spencer played well for them, Gus. 
in Anthony McLemore's place, and the Tigers did out-rebound the Donut Gators because they have nobody in the middle, 41-31. However, Florida hit 13 threes. They had a game-high 24 points from Kayvon Allen. Allen, Hayes, and Stone were out of the starting lineup for showing up late at a video session on Friday night. I don't like that. You are putting your team together here. You're getting ready for March Madness, and you're late for a video session. I hate to see that. That could have cost him this game. Allen bounced back, though, from zero points against Tennessee, which was one of his worst games, I think the worst game he had in three years, to have a big game in a huge Florida win. I got two things on this. Number one, this game perfectly mirrors both of these teams. Auburn is just Florida in this game that Florida was earlier in the season. After coming off a great performance in PK-80, we had Florida ranked inside the top 10, and then they go cold from three for a couple of games. And, oh, they come back down to earth, and now they're, you know, kind of where they should be, you know, floating around the top 25, right? And Auburn, you run into a couple games where you're not going to hit your threes, just like Florida did earlier. Then you're going to get exposed, and one of the things that you counted on as a crutch is not there, and then you have to adjust your game plan. And if you can't do that in-game, then you lose a game by single digits on the road. That's what happens. So it seems like Auburn has just run into a similar problem that Florida had run into earlier in the season. And you want to see some more consistency from Allen. I'm totally with you on that. I think a couple of, uh, uh, you know, we were one of the places that thought like he could have a blow up year and, and really go nuts for Florida. So you'd love to see some more consistency from him moving forward. If they get that, then again, Florida is a, is a dangerous team. So Auburn running into the same problem that a number of other teams has run into, including Florida early on. If you're not hitting your threes, uh-oh, what else are you going to go to? And Florida, you want to see some more consistency from Allen, uh, one of your stud players. You give me Auburn, Loyola, Chicago, okay? I right. got nothing to say. That's what I'm yeah. saying right now. They don't shoot well on the road. They look great at home. They're not playing at home, Gus, when they go to the NCAA tournament. They're injured. If they weren't injured, I'd love them. But right now they're banged up. We got to be careful. Let's see how it goes. But right now when I'm doing my bracket, that's one I'm really looking with a critical eye at. Number 13, Wichita State Shockers, 84, SMU, 78. This was a vegetable lasagna game. No Shake Milton. Very much so, yeah. Right, like there's no Shake Milton. So what are you going to say? They were supposed to win. They did win. Whatever. Six in a row for Wichita State. This is a win and move on. Listen, SMU is always tough at home. Jankovic is a great coach. Shockers shot 46 from three-point range. Only thing partner I take from this game is Marcus McDuffie seemed really good. He had 26 points. He looks fully healthy. Biggest scoring output of the season. Shockers are one game back. The Bearcats for the AC title. They look like they want it badly. They go to UCF and then they host Cincinnati for the Marbles next Sunday, Gus. Interesting moving forward. You want to see what Wichita State decides to do with their lineup. Do they keep Reeves in the starting lineup? And do you just ignore like we we've called for this like with other teams live with some of the defensive lapses to get some more offense on the floor right and i think that's what greg marshall is deciding to do with putting reeves in the starting lineup he's a he is a defense stretcher he he is a shot maker from outside uh you have to pay attention to him if he is open he creates space for the rest of the team out there so coach marshall is actually doing one of the things that we asked for like hey live with a couple of defensive shortcomings and get some better offense on the floor. And McDuffie, yeah, that might be his best game of the season. So if he's going to play that efficiently in that amount of minutes, 
then Wichita State looks more like the Final Four pick that you picked preseason. Yeah, I love him. I feel more confident than ever. Brad Evans agreed with me. Fired up about that. Mc- well, right, yeah, yeah. Mc- when I listened to that, I was like, I was like, oh, right. Brad Evans is in with Mike Randall. I'm down with that. McDuffie off the bench. Frank Camp off the bench. Willis gives him about 16 minutes. All I'm looking for, Gus. I'm not looking for 12 guys off the bench. Okay, I'm just looking for two or three guys. They got that. Again, Greg Marshall's a great coach, and I think Landry Shamit can take over a game much like Rory Hashimura can. Good win for Wichita. It is what it is. Let's see how they do against Cincinnati the upcoming week. Oregon wins 98-93 over number 14 Arizona at home in overtime. Of course, the entire basketball world partner was watching this one. Sean Miller doesn't coach. DeAndre Ayton plays, and he DeAndre Ayton plays, and he plays angry is what he does. He was dominating, but much like a lot of teams, <clears throat> Seton Hall, they tend to get away from the big sometimes for long periods of time. Oregon comes back, knocks off Arizona. This kept somehow, Gus, USC alive for the regular season Pac-12 title. Like, totally bizarre. I mean, they're just hosting UCLA. Arizona's got two games, so they still have uh, some sort of an advantage. But still, they're hosting Stanford in California. Lorenzo Romar coached the game. We talked about this. Junior guard Elijah Brown for Oregon exploded, had a season-high 30 points. Aiton was dominant, 28 points, 18 rebounds, but he didn't score for the last 11 and a half minutes of the game. I think he didn't score until overtime. Arizona's the only team in the Pac-12 in the top 25. A couple things here. Number one, you want to see how Arizona as a program reacted to all of the firestorm that surrounds them. Obviously, they came out pretty focused and ready to roll, Aiton especially. He was the poster boy for saying like, okay, I don't really care what's going on. I'm just going to go out and ball out. And that's exactly what he did, like you said, for the first, whatever, 28 minutes of the game. And then, like you mentioned, correctly mentioned, Somehow they got away from him. He didn't have the opportunities on the offensive rebounding edge that he had in the first half. If you go away from your big that got you there, that's what happens. Like, it's pretty simple. Like, you mentioned Seton Hall. is an unbelievable example because they got away from Delgado. They got away from Delgado against St. John's, who has no inside game. It really is so So, mind-numbing. It's mind-numbing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. And it's not like they it's not like they weren't having great games like both of them were having great games. And here's the other thing, too, that I, I don't I, I think sometimes we, we ignore. Isn't this the Oregon team that we, we thought that we would might see preseason? Oh, Dana Altman's on a free roll. He's yeah. on a free roll and, and they're yeah. coming around. And you think they're going to make the tournament right now? Gun to your head. I, I think they do play in game. I could totally see them play in game or yeah. maybe uh, maybe the 10 seed somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah. Uh, and if. Again, their 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 starting lineup is 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 kind of nasty. McIntosh, White, uh, freshman Brown, uh, Pritchard, and then you mentioned uh, you know transfer Elijah Brown. Like that that's a great starting lineup. And if you get a couple minutes off the bench from like Wooten or somebody, you're yeah you're all set. Like the, all all five of those guys can ball. Here's here's the real thing. Ready? What's going to happen in Arizona next? Who's going to coach? Is Aiton seems to be eligible? That so that 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 cat seems out of the bag, but like sometimes all of this energy goes into the moment, right? But after that moment leaves, then what are you left with? So you want to see what kind of focus, what kind of positive energy they can get moving forward after this uh, firestorm of a moment caught them off guard, and then they had to make a whole bunch of rash decisions. So let's see what's moving forward for Arizona. I'm intrigued to see how the program responds, how the players respond, and what type of effort and execution they have moving forward. Since the blitz by Purdue at Atlantis, how many games do you think DeAndre Ayton has fouled out of? Oh, geez. I, I don't know. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has fouled out of 
I'm going to say zero games. One game at Stanford, Reed Travis, right? One game. He's following him. He's doing a great job. In my mind, partner, he's my number one pick overall. He's amazing. He's my number one. I'll take him. I'll take him right now. I think he's tremendous. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Number 15, Clemson took care of business, although they made it frisky. 75-67 over Georgia Tech. This is a win for Clemson. Almost didn't happen. Tigers had lost three in a row before battling back here, and they won by eight in a game that was much, much closer. Good news for Clemson, Gus. They did get Shelton Mitchell back. He was injured. Wasn't sure how long he was going to be out. He missed the two games. He came back. He added 14 points and took away a lot of the pressure that was on senior Gabe DeVoe. He shot only two of 14 DeVoe on threes in the past two games. Clemson was 16-3, and 5-2 and two before the Grantham injury. They're just 5-4 and four since. Clemson now 21-7, and 10-6 in conference. I'll tell you right now, I have them going out early in every single bracket I'll fill out. Very similar to what we mentioned with Auburn. Sometimes that initial game you can get up for – your teammate being out and and you can piece it together. But once reality starts to hit and that 15 points per game isn't there, like that's hard to replicate and hard to replace game after game, after game, after game, after game. So maybe, you know, maybe they can do it for a couple of more efforts this season, but I think there is hope if if you're going to have Thomas play this effectively and you have Mitchell back in the fold and he's going to be effective and they're both going to put up double digits and and Reed and and DeVoe are going to do their thing in the backcourt. Maybe they can still have something cooking, but yeah, I think question mark central for Clemson right now. Number 17, Michigan 85, Maryland 61. Again, a taking care of business game. You called this one on your podcast. I have to admit, partner, I'm a little surprised it was 24 points on the road. I thought it would be like 10 to 15. A 20-point win on the road is still very impressive. It's Michigan's fifth win in a row. They end the Big Ten regular season tied for fourth. They're 24 and 7, 13 and 5 overall. They were 15 of 31 from three-point range. Over that last, over the five-game winning streak, they are 53 of 125, which is 43%. I believe that spans three road games. Gus, the Wolverines are hot and dangerous, and a lot of these players were there. Most of them were last year when they made their run, and they have a great coach in Beeline. This is not a team in the Big Ten tournament in Madison Square Garden I'd want to play. I think they're peaking at the right time. You know what's happening for them? They have their roles defined now. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, his lineup wasn't set. Now he's cool with Simpson in the starting lineup. He's cool with bringing Poole off the bench. Yep. Matthews is solid at that two guard swingman position. You knew you weren't going to do anything different with uh, Abdur Rahman. He was going to be a rock in that starting lineup. And of course, you got Mo Wagner. Like he he is one of the most underrated big men in the country. And I'll tell you who's going to be their secret weapon. This Livers kid, he is good. I agree. I, I really, really like what he does. I know he didn't play a ton of minutes in this game, didn't have a big impact, but I think moving forward, he's definitely a player to pay attention to. I think he'd be a different-making player. But the, the key for Michigan right now is their roles are defined. Everybody knows where they're going to get their minutes and where their shots are going to come from. Yeah, of course they're going to have success. I, I expect them to have further success moving forward. The Big Ten tournament bracket is set. I just want to throw this out to you here. Yeah. Here's the bracket. Ready, partner? So the Nebraska loss doesn't really hurt Michigan. They're going to play the winner of Illinois-Iowa. The only reason it hurts them is because they're going to have to play an extra game. Then if they win that game, they're going to play Nebraska the next night, and they're going to potentially play Michigan State. I wanted to see them against Purdue. Right. That's not going to happen, unfortunately, to the finals. But I think that Michigan State better be careful because Michigan's a team that is not afraid of them. Michigan State is peaking right now. I just think they're the team that no one wants to play. Michigan is just a better Wisconsin. They have Hap slash Wagner, you know, defining big man that, that is elusive and can do some things with the ball. 
Uh, they have shooters that surround them. A Michigan shooter is definitely better than uh, Wisconsin shooters. And uh, they take care of the ball and play de- decent defense. So I think that matchup makes sense. And you saw how much trouble that Michigan State had with Wisconsin today. Give me a final four in the Big Ten in the Garden of Purdue, Ohio State, and Michigan State, Michigan. That's all we can ask for. Number 19, Tennessee 73, Ole Miss 65. Not much from this game. Tennessee 21-7, and seven, one game back from Auburn. It's a blog game. Tennessee needed to get it. They were up big. Miss came back, but they don't have a coach. Can't conclude much from this game except it's taking care of business. Right, Gus? This, this for me, this is my vegetable lasagna game. Like, what else did you want? Like, of course you knew this was going to happen. That makes perfect sense. Admiral Schofield goes off. Uh, yeah, Tennessee's good. They're going to continue to be good because they out-effort people and out-execute people, and they totally out-effort and out-executed miss here. Number 21, West Virginia at home, 85, Iowa State, 70. Javon Carter, great job by him, great senior. First major conference player in NCAA history to record over 1,500 points, 500 rebounds, 500 assists, and 300 steals in a career. Fantastic senior for West Virginia. Overall for West Virginia, the partner, this was a bad, bad game. This is along the lines of the other teams that we talk about today that haven't really delivered. West Virginia's 21 and 8, they're 10 and 6 in the Big 12. They right. were held in check early by an Iowa State team that had five starters and two reserves because of injuries. This is a game that should never have been close, yet the Mountaineers were down by four with 11 minutes left in the first half. Iowa State is winless on the road, they're injured, they're banged up, and basically West Virginia couldn't stop Wingington, who was the only player there who could do anything. He had 29 points. I am cooling on this West Virginia team. This should have been a blowout. It was not. They pulled away late. The spread was 17, by the way, in case you're wondering. Interesting. I, I, I just... I'm waiting. West Virginia, if you're not blowing out winless Iowa State, and this was not a blowout, they hung around, what are you doing? What are you doing against Harvard in the first round? What are you doing against some of the Middle Tennessee State in the second round in the 3-6 game? What are you doing, man? I just, I'm waiting for it. It's not coming. The numbers that you just rattled off for Carter are absolutely insane. You would think those numbers might belong to somebody like, I don't know. Let's say Monte Morris, or let's say Frank Mason, or Very let's say let, player, yeah, Monte Morris, right? Like, yeah. like, but those guys who are you know first team, second team All Americans did not garner those numbers. Really impressive numbers for Carter. He's outrageously good. Uh, let, let's throw you know let's 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 throw a congratulations to Wigginton. Like something magical had to happen for them to stay in the game, and he played as he played. He was yeah, great. He, he was. He played great. out of his mind. Yep. Like he. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations to him, and especially against that backcourt, which we know is defensively uh, d- defensively advanced, to put it kindly. Um, but again, the same thing with West Virginia that always happens. Like sometimes they just get into this cycle of like, we're not going to hit a shot. We can't set up the press. Once we can't set up the press, we're a little lost defensively. Oh, Wigginton got away from us on that one. Oh, okay, we have to come back down and score. Oh, we missed a jump shot. We can't set up the press. Oh, my goodness, there goes Wigginton on a breakout again. Oh, oh boom, and it's a five-point swing, and they're in the game. That that that's what happens with the West Virginia game, West Virginia team, probably five times a game, and it just happened in the first half against uh, Iowa State again. So it, it seemed like a familiar script to me. Five of eighteen from three point range at home against a bad Iowa State team is not somebody I'm looking to back. It's not the horse I'm looking to back when we get to the NCAA tournament. Speaking of a horse, I'm not backing St. Mary's number twenty two in the country, sixty seven Santa Clara forty. I will give a quick shout-out to Jock Landell, Emmett Nahr, Calvin Hermanson as the seniors. The Gales are 106-25 with the past four seasons with them. 
excellent job. Great job for St. Mary's. Great seniors. As far as March Madness, there's no impact here. This doesn't make me think St. Mary's belongs. This doesn't improve their standing in the committee's eye. They better make that finals in the WCC. If they don't make the finals, Gus, they are going to be sweating it out come Selection Sunday. Oh, I think this is going to play out similarly to how it played out uh, two years ago and three years ago for them. I, I, I think if they don't make the finals of the conference tournament, I, I think they're going to be like one of those teams that has the camera in the room and, and you know, they're going to be waiting around. The part of, the, of Selection Sunday, yeah. The only thing I'll say is by yeah. them putting Trey Young up at four – on that right. preview, they're going to want Jock Lindell in this tournament. They so might. if they make the semis and lose a close game, I mean, who would they lose to? BYU? I mean, come they could, San they Diego? Could, they could lose to San Diego. San Diego. They'll find a way to put Landell in, I think, in the playing game. That's just my okay. guess. I just All think right. they're going to want him in there. But I agree with you. First, they don't make the semis. They're out. We know that. But if they make the semis, you make me flip a coin partner, I think they'll make it in. But – Guys, just so much promise when you won at Gonzaga and it's gone downhill from there. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. You expected – again, I think everybody expected them to be the top team coming into the uh, coming into the WCC at season start. Uh, you mentioned the vote that was uh, you know put out by the head coaches and, and, man, that script has totally flipped. And last one in the top 25 on Saturday at least, then you'll, you'll shoot me some on Sunday. Yeah. Kermit Davis. How much do we love Kermit Davis? He's, a, he's the best. The Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. He talked about UAB's always a two- or three-possession game every time they play him. Coach, this was a 12-possession game and probably more than that. They looked very comfortable in their first game as a ranked team. Nick King, tremendous player, scored 22 points. Giddy Potts at 17. And the Blue Raiders cruise 79-54 over UAB on Saturday night. Middle Tennessee is 23-5, and 15-1 in Conference USA. They're in the AP poll for the first time. They were up 40-19 to at halftime. This is the bizarro St. Mary's, Gus. I think they're in. I think they're absolutely in, assuming that they just make, what, the semis of the Conference USA? Because they had a really tough non-conference strength of schedule. They were like the sixth, I think it was, non-conference. So they played a lot of people, which, which St. Mary's did not. They can clinch the Conference USA regular season title with a win at home against Western Kentucky on Thursday. And they did this all without the starting point guard sophomore Tyreek Dixon, who was out with a mild concussion. I love Dixon. I think he's a really uh, important piece for them for, uh, to find success. And that game against Western Kentucky is huge. Here's why. Western Kentucky gets that win. Then the seedings in the conference tournament change up a little bit. And Western Kentucky was talked about as a team that could be in line for an at-large bid. Maybe Purdue, be Purdue, yeah. Early on in the season, right? So if Western Kentucky can, can couple a Purdue win with a, with a Middle Tennessee uh, win and then make the conference finals, then is this a two-bid league? It might be, but and I'm That's with a you. good question. I think Middle Tennessee is in regardless. I think they could lose in the first round of their tournament and still get an invite. How about that? Uh, wow, that would be saying something. They've had a spectacular season, and they're a team that no one wants to play. You could hear it in Kermit oh, Davis's geez. voice. They feel confident whenever they're playing anybody. He, he proved it early on in the season when he went out and played everybody and anybody that would take a game with him. It was totally impressive. Yeah, I think if you're matched up on the other side, number one, you got a stud. you got to deal with. you got to deal with King. Number two, you have a vet. 
You have a lifer that's been there forever and been through the wars and knows what it takes to get an upset game, Giddy Potts. And number three, you have an unbelievable coach who's confident in the squad that he has and is going to put his team in successful positions. And the way that Middle Tennessee State plays is they are going to be in every game. It's going to be very rare that you're going to see them get blown out. So the way that um, uh, Kermit Davis coaches is very similar to the way Coach Becker coaches up in Vermont. Like His team is going to have a shot no matter who they're playing. So if you're playing them in the first round, look out. Totally with you. Who we got on Sunday, partner? Okay, let's go. Let's do some Sunday quickies. We'll run it down real fast. Tulsa keeps it close on Senior Day with number eleven Cincinnati. Cincinnati pulls away in the second half after it being really close in the first half, eighty-two to seventy-four. Is there anything to worry about for your Bearcats, Mike, or is this just another like unpredictable like Senior Day result? Uh, Gary Clark goes for seventeen. Broom gets for fifteen off the bench in twenty minutes. What's your take with the Bearcats? Like, what's your temperature here? Is this just like, because sometimes with these senior days, you just don't know what kind of uh, effort and what kind of execution they're going to have. So is this just like, okay, they took care of business and won the game, or is this something to worry about? Yeah, I disagree with that. Everybody talks about the senior day. To me, senior day should be a blowout. Senior day, the seniors should play well. Senior day, Illinois. They played well against Purdue. Senior day, you should play well. Your best foot should be put forward. I'm sure there's some examples out there, but to me, 95% of the time, you play well. This is a terrible result for Cincinnati. I don't want to hear about the emotion. You have to, you have had a very soft, AAC schedule that was benefited by winning the Temple Fran Dunphy throwing water bottle game. You Mm, are now playing the meat of your schedule. This should have been a big win. You're favored by 17 points in this game, Gus. This should have been a big win, and it wasn't. I am very worried about Cincinnati. They're not controlling tempo. And you know what, partner? I also think it matters when you haven't had a home game all year long. Then point. Northwestern, I know they've played great and I know they've right. had a really solid season, but I think it could have been even more special if they played a lot more games at home. And I'll tell you right now, there is no chance they're winning at Wichita State. Book it. Take it to the bank. No chance. I am worried about Cincinnati. I'm sorry. I predict them preseason in the Final Four. They ain't sniffing the Final Four. They're not making it. Enough of these bad games here. Tulsa, give me a break. Wow. Number two, Michigan State also struggles, Mike, on Sunday with Wisconsin. Michigan State does pull away in the second half and does eke out the win 68-63. to Brad Davison gets his shoulder popped out, then comes back in, plays inspired ball, and goes for 30. And unfortunately, both happened. Bridges played kind of poorly in a showdown of what could have been like, you know, two first-team All-Big Ten players, and they both like were very average to below average. So, Mike, where do you place this Michigan State uh, win over Wisconsin? Is just this another grinded-out win, or are you worried because of the margin of victory? No, I'm worried. I, they won it, and it's on the road. If this game was at home, you could take what I just said about Cincinnati and repeat it for Michigan State. But Got because it. it's on the road and they won, it's fine. I am so glad, pardon, we didn't talk about this. I'm so glad you brought up Big Ten, uh, you know, first team all Big Ten. Ready? Yeah. Top of your head. No prep. Name me the first team all Big Ten right now. Jeez. Because okay. I got uh, there's a point to this. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with. K to B to Diop. I'm going to go Carson Edwards. Uh, I guess I'll go Bridges. Um, I'm also going to throw in um, – well, I mean, I, I guess I'll put Hap there, even though he's been on a very low productive team. Uh, help me out with this last position here. Um, That's why I'm asking you. I'm not going to help you because I think this yeah. is a very interesting question. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I guess we'll throw. Jeez, I, I know. mean, I know. <laughs> this is I got I got something to say, but go ahead. Do, do, do you think we put Mo Wagner there? It's fascinating. This is what I'll tell you. Carson Edwards is a lock. Kata sure. Bates D up is a lock. Okay. Sure. Now Miles Bridges is going to get it because he's averaging 17 points a game on the outright Big Ten champion. But I will tell you that he is at best the third player in the league. And you can make an argument that he hasn't really played that well. But I think you have to put him on because the outright champ is going to get a player on and you're not right. putting Nick Ward. Okay. Right. So, so I think he's well, on. I mean, I, I guess we could throw in Jordan Murphy since he was hot early and has fallen off as of late. But what? yeah, it's a difficult it's a difficult conversation. Well, last year, partner, they gave it to Peter Jock, which surprised me. I was writing for B, uh, BT Powerhouse last year. Right. I had to predict it. I was totally shocked by Peter Jock. I think Ethan Happ won't get it, but you never know. Mm-hmm. I, I think Wagner gets on in some sort of weird way. Here's my question. If Purdue won it, you're going to get two guys. Now, I know that Vince Edwards probably would get it. I understand that. In my heart, as great as Edwards has been, I think Haas has been even more valuable. Yeah. And I yeah. think Haas is the most improved player, one of the most improved players in the country, by the way. So if you asked me, I would go – Keita Bates Diap, Carson Edwards, Miles Bridges, Mo Wagner, and Isaac Haas. Interesting. And I know it's, that won't happen, but I, I even if you put Vince Edwards on, I couldn't argue. Sure. But sure. I, I, I think that you can't give two to the team that didn't win it. And there's about, no two no, to Michigan State, that's for sure. I agree. And I, I think if you ask the coaches, I think they might lean your direction as well because, like, who have they game-planned their whole defensive game plan around? Right. They're playing Purdue. I know. It's because, yeah. like, like, are we going to double team or are we going to leave him single coverage and, and live and die with a three? Like, so the fact that he's that had that much impact on defensive game planning speaks to how valuable he's been for sure. Part of, do you know how badly I want to see John Beeline get a third crack at Isaac Haas? I want to see Matt Painter on Beeline round three. I got to tell you, what would that line be? I'll be all in. I just think Beeline is that good of a coach that I don't buy yes. Painter. And if Purdue would have won that game, Carson Edwards is the man. <laughs> Because he he'd, he'd have to, to kill it himself because that's what was going to happen. Because Isaac Haas ain't eating up John Beeline three times in a row. That's for darn sure. Well, why don't we just jump to that game and we'll go, <laughs> bit out of, we'll go number nine Purdue just stomps all over Mini, right? Like 84 to 60 on senior day there. By the way, those shirts that they had at senior day, they look pretty sweet. Oh, I didn't see like, them. What they have? I didn't see it. It was, like a, it was like a little bit of a Mount Rushmore with like oh, the cool. four seniors for uh, – uh, for Purdue, it was, it was really nice. They, 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 I would like one of those. Uh, Vince Edwards seems to be fine after his uh, short uh, outage of injury. Uh, P.J. Thompson actually made a shot. Carson Edwards continues to have, have others like bounce off of him while he creates contact at the rim. The dude's amazing. Um, so this falls directly into your category of taking care of business at home, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Purdue's good. They took care of business. Vince Edwards came back. He worked his way back in. That's great. Minnesota, great. Destroyed him second half. Exactly. Taking care of business. This is what you should do. They probably... The most consistent team you can argue with Villanova and Virginia the entire year. That's what yeah. I wanted to see. Kick their fanny, cover the spread. If gambling was legal, great job. Let's let's talk about ECU giving up sixty plus points in the first half to Houston, and then ends up losing one hundred nine to fifty eight. Just ouch. Oof. So let's just put this out there now for Houston, right, Mike? Uh, they're in the tournament, right? Can they win the tournament crown? Can they be AAC champs? No, they can't. Uh, but uh, let me take you through Houston this year. Okay. Let's go big games. Ready? Go. Beat Arkansas 
Huge win early. Lost at LSU 80-77. Close loss. Uh, they, Mount Waters. They beat the enigmatic Temple 76-73. Great, great win. At Wichita, lost 81-63. Mm-hmm. Home Wichita, won 73-59. Okay. Lost to Cincinnati by 10. Beat Cincinnati by 5. Won at Temple by 21. Lost at Memphis. Blow out East Carolina. You figure them out, partner, because I can't. <laughs> I, I certainly cannot. Uh, I don't but, think uh, us, they're consistent enough to win it. I don't think they can put that okay. many good games around. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I think if they are going to win the conference tournament, that means they're going to have to beat two, uh, probably beat two of those teams, right? They're probably going to have to beat. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. Cincinnati, which yes. I, yeah, I'm with you. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. How about, uh, how, how about number 20, Nevada? outlasts an undermanned Colorado State team on all fronts, roster-wise and coaching-wise. Uh, they win 92-83. Uh, Cody Martin seems just fine handling the point. He went for 17. He had 11 assists. He had nine boards. I know this team has some unbelievable depth issues, so rest up, fellas, and congratulations on the regular season title in the Mountain West Conference. Mike, uh, quick thoughts on Nevada? Here we go, folks. Get ready to flood the email and Twitter account in three, two, one. Nevada's done. They're done. They're not going far in the NC tournament. I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't win the Mountain West. It's too much. I know that Musselman is the second coming of Belichick. Okay. I know that they have positionless basketball. I know Caroline is the second coming of some great forward inside. And the Martin brothers average 55,000 points a game because they're so tall. I get it. Not buying it. I'm not buying Lindsey Drew. With he's being out, you're losing the point guard. They have no depth. They don't play a lot of defense. They haven't beaten a ranked team this year. I'm off in Nevada. I want to be wrong. I want to apologize on air. I want to come back on this podcast when they knock off number one Kansas in the second round. I'll come back and sing the fight song, okay? So for all our followers, Lemieux and everybody else out there, if I'm wrong about this, Mike <laughs> Randall pays his bets. I'll come, I'll paint my face purple and do the podcast if you want. We'll take a picture of it. They're not moving on. It's just too much. It, it's too much. You can't tell. If I told you, Gus, that there's a team that hasn't beat a ranked opponent, that lost their starting point guard, their backup point guard has something on his hand, that they had a guy with some sort of foot injury, one of their main players who magically recovered and came back right away, and their Ken Palm defensive rating isn't great, would you be in love with that team? I don't think you would, but because it's Nevada and we love Nevada, we're going to say all of that is okay. I have to be objective here. I'm Mikey Objective. I hope I'm wrong. I don't see how Nevada can overcome losing their point guard, but no one else can. I just don't see it. I I, th- I think it's worth paying attention to moving forward. I love that they're playing so unconventional. I I, I love what Nevada is doing as well. I, I'm to- I think it's unbelievably creative. And again, like we mentioned on the podcast previously, Coach Musselman is totally going to earn his money trying to figure this thing out without a true big and without a true point guard. I think it's going to be a fascinating case study. Uh, and let's finish up with uh, NC State. They continue their fine play at home. Uh, they absolutely destroy number 25 Florida State, 92-72. It seems like both of these teams are going to be in in March in one fashion or another. So, Mike, who do you think is more dangerous? Do you think the Wolfpack is more dangerous, or do you think the Seminoles are more dangerous in March? Kevin Keats is for real. They won their fourth ACC game in a row for the first time since 2006. 
NC State is for real. Keats is, is a great coach. He's turned that program around in one year. Yurt 7 is a matchup problem. He gives them the freedom to play. This team is very similar to the NC State team that knocked off Villanova in the second round a few years ago. Absolutely dangerous. I've seen Leonard Hamilton stick before. We come in the defense. We can't score. We get blown out. I get it. It's fine. Pick them in your 8-9 game if you want, and then they're losing in the second round. I totally agree with you that uh, NC State and Keats are an interesting team to pay attention to and are kind of live. Uh, I, I like their pieces. Their pieces are really intriguing. Mike, you want, want to do a quick rundown? I'll shoot some games for you on Monday and just give me your, your, your gut feel. Sound I got, good? Well, pardon, let me give it to you. I got it here. You do the, the screen, the screen of lines. Let me shoot it to you. I got them up oh, here okay. on uh, on my bookie, one of my uh, favorite sites here. Legal. Legal. It's not in New Jersey. It's not in America. It's do, somewhere do, else. Do we, do we need to go down that wormhole? Do we need to have the listeners... Uh, I don't know, commiserate with you on, on maybe a, a weekend uh, gambling trip uh, if, if, if gambling was legal? Sure. Ready? Thank God for the Gonzaga plus two second half line. And thank God for NC State minus one today over Florida State because I got my fanny kicked all weekend. Gonzaga <laughs> Gonzaga plus two, okay, at the half against BYU. Really? I'm going to get points in Gonzaga in the second half. Thank you very much. Cha-ching. Fabulous. <laughs> here are the games, partner. Ready? All right. Yeah, here we go. Georgetown didn't show up for me this weekend. Thank you very much. They're home and they're getting one and a half against Marquette, who I believe is still shorthanded. Uh, give me Marquette on a hot shooting night against Georgetown. I'll take Marquette. I call him Ook. You call him Duke. They're on the road and they're favored by five and a half at Virginia Tech. <sighs> I'm going to say... Tough, oh, right? Man, Buzz that's, doesn't that's normally a... bonk twice in a row. I know, right? Yeah, right. That... Give, give him points with Duke. Uh, Texas getting nine, Kansas senior night. Let down or pounding? Oh, wow. Uh, no, I think if Davis is out, I think Kansas rolls. Let's go Kansas. Texas Tech getting five and a half at West Virginia, the Rubik's Cube of college basketball. This is totally Keenan Evans dependent. Uh, if he's even serviceable and can help navigate uh, West Virginia's defense, I'll take Tech. If he is limited and hampered like he was against uh, Kansas, I'll go West Virginia. So I'm a, this is a very Keenan Evans dependent uh, game for me here. Partner, I'm so excited to say this next phrase to you. Atlantic Sun Conference yes! Tournament. Atlantic Sun Conference Tournament. Flo- go. Florida Gulf Coast minus 19 over USC Upstate. Uh, I think they might be a little nervous their first game. So give me Upstate to cover, but Florida Gulf Coast with the win in advancing. Yeah, I got to give you one more from the Atlantic Sun. Limscum minus 13 over Stetson, Gus. Uh, Limscum's been playing okay. I, I, I would take, I would totally take Limscum in the points there. That's all I got for you, partner. And then Tuesday, we'll just do a quick preview. Maybe just your thoughts, top of your head on some games on Tuesday. We're going to have Rhode Island hosting St. Joe's. Uh, interesting. I think I, I like Rhode Island there, though. Tennessee going to Mississippi State. I think that's very similar to the Tennessee game that we discussed earlier with Old Miss. I think they take care of business. Carolina hosting Miami. That's a MOG game, isn't it? The Mother of God game. Is that a, is that a, let me just look up. Is that Carolina's senior day? Uh, is that Joel I, Berry? Oh, oh, yeah, that's Joel Berry's senior day. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's a MOG game. I, I, think, I think we like UNC there. Auburn heading to Arkansas. Arkansas needs this one badly. Let me just see. Is that Arkansas senior day? I bet it Listen, is. Listen, if it's yes, Arkansas it at home. Yes, it is. It's their senior day. Yep. If it's Arkansas at home, give me Arkansas. Yeah, I'm with you. 
Only especially they lost to Kentucky, they're gonna have to bounce back. Very good, excellent. Uh, so, listeners out there, if you're liking what you're listening to, give us a follow on Twitter at SDS Podcast. Uh, efficiency of keystrokes, of course. Please don't forget to give Mike a follow on Twitter as well at Randall Rant. He is uh, entertaining and informative at the same time. If you're looking for some screen to screener in print, you can hit up Mike's site RandallRant.com. Uh, there's a Mike does a great job with his short corner, very insightful and very thought provoking as well. If you like what you're listening to and you have some extra time this week, leave us a nice review on iTunes, Apple's uh, podcasts. And if you give us a cool review on there and, uh, you know, leave a little typed part, we'll give you a shout out and ahoy on the podcast uh, later on this week. So uh, thank you listeners out there for giving us part of your week. We totally appreciate it. Gus, can you believe that two weeks from tonight? We're going to be back on podding here talking about the brackets. Is this unbelievable or what? I don't know if I'm ready. I think I feel like it's, I have to do like more. more it's something. crazy. It's just yeah. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Best time of year, partner. Listeners, we're, we're honored that we're going to share like the best time of the year with you guys. Uh, so thanks for letting us uh, allow to share this this great moment with you guys and, and uh, you know, letting us enjoy the ride with you. So thank you so much, listeners. Salancha, gratulatia, cheers and arigato. I'm debating if the title is to be Fruit Basket for Greg McDermott or Dana Altman Free Roll. And it's close. It'll be one of those. What do you think? Uh, either one's a winner <laughs> there. I, I wish we could save one for later. That'd be great. <laughs> we'll see you, folks.